there are halos hanging from the lowest branches of the trees, all you need to do is reach up and grab one. Meaning, you have to do very little to make the world a better place. You know, send, send a check or write a letter or make a phone call or, like I said, go to the school board. Um, but, yeah, the, the darkness is all around us, and you can make it a whole lot better just by doing something. Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Austin Roos. Austin has spent over 20 years as a writer and Christian leader fighting the culture of death. He's also provided commentary for several media outlets, including uh, EWTN, American Family Radio, and has written several different books, including the one we're going to talk about today titled Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic. Austin is also the co-founder of the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, longtime president of the UN-accredited Center for Family and Human Rights, otherwise known as CFAM. He's also the husband of Kathy Roos, who I just warned him a little bit ago, was on about a year ago, so the bar is set mighty high by his wife, and he also has two daughters. Thanks for joining us today, Austin. I'm happy to be with you. Thank you. Hey, uh, you know, been reading the book, really enjoy it. What made you write this book? It sounded like, you know, you've been, you've done a lot of talks, but are you just hearing these same comments over and over again? And you're, and you're like, Hey, people need to know this is a time to fight, not run. You know, I've been giving a talk now for several years that I call no finer time to be a faithful Catholic because at heart, I'm uh, you know, a cockeyed optimist. Um, and I, I really enjoy the work that I do and the fight that I'm in, the fight that my wife is in. Um, and, and, and so I, I give this talk called No Finer Time to Be Faithful Catholic, and uh, the good people at Sophia and Sick Press uh, offered to, to uh, ask me to do a book-length uh, version of it, which I have done. And I basically you know, go through all the darkness that we see in the world today, and, and quite frankly, it's darker than most people know. I have a whole chapter on how I believe there's a new established church and it's not Christianity. Uh, right. But then I, I, I go into what, uh, what what I see is that the world is obsessed with the Catholic Church. Uh, there's never been a finer time be- precisely because God sent us to this dark time to do this battle. And I, and I think that's quite remarkable because I'm kind of lame, you know. Most of the people that I work with are kind of lame. You know, we didn't go to Harvard. We don't work for Google. We're just regular people fighting the good fight. And uh, I think that's pretty remarkable. Well, and I think, you know, when you read this book, it reminds us, I reminded me, you know, hey, we are the church militant, you know, to complain about it, to whine about it, to run from it, are all the things we're not supposed to do, even though you do start the book off, you know, you paint. A realistic picture, you know, whether we're talking about Antifa, transgender ideology, tax on life, on marriage. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And I think that's, you know, people don't realize that the assaults seem to be coming from every direction, don't they? Yeah, it does. It does. You know, that, that's that's hence the title, Under Siege. You know, uh, one of the images that I use in the book, and uh, I don't know if you've seen this movie, Full Metal Jacket, but it's, it's about uh, the, the U.S. troops trying to take over the city of Hue uh, during the Vietnam War. And at one point, uh, this platoon we're following is, is pinned down behind a, a broken down wall. 
and uh, the, the immediate commander says, we have to stay here. We have to hunker down. And this, the, one of the characters named a- Animal Mother takes his machine gun and jumps over the wall and charges the sniper's nest in order to save a couple of men who are pinned down. And it, I just feel like we're called to charge the sniper's nest. Uh, you know, in any way that we can that we can do it, you know, not everybody is called to go on the radio. Not everybody's called to put a big, you know, target on on your back by by stepping into the public square. But all of us have a role to play, you know, whether it is going down to the school board and shaking the hand of the one school board member who's doing the right thing or writing a letter to the editor or sending a check to your favorite pro-life and pro-family group. Uh, all of us, nobody can let this cup pass. We all have to participate in some way. And it's more than it, it is to be sure, you know, prayer, the sacraments, mass, communion, rosary, but we have to do more than that. We actually have to engage in the public struggle in some way. And there's a million ways to get involved. Well, and I like, you know, at the end of the book, you kind of put like what to do. And I think you just kind of, you know, touched on it. There's three, the three levels of fighting back, you know, to quietly do it quiet and privately fly the flag. And then, as you just mentioned, charging the sniper's nest. And, you know, you can do any or all three of those, depending on the situation and, and you know, where you are in your life. Right. You know, yeah. You know, in the back of the book, you know, the, one of my reviewers said, you know, you really need some, you know, some guidance as to what people can actually do. And one of the suggestions I made is no longer say chair when you mean chairman, uh, you know, just to, 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 to go back and reject all those politically correct uh, phrases and terms that were forced, foisted upon us as, as the years have gone by, because we've gotten so used to them. For instance, don't say gender when you mean sex. Uh, that's right. a big one. That's an especially big one now, because when you accept gender and sex are the same thing, and all of a sudden you can expand the definition of gender to 58 genders or whatever, or these new terms like cisgender or cishet, which is a new phrase I bet you don't even know, which, which is a combination of cisgender and, uh, and heterosexual. Uh, and there's just ways that the sexual left uh, paints us and, and sort of takes over the public square, takes over the debate, and forces us to, us to accept their premises. So in, in going back and rejecting you know, these, these politically correct words and phrases, that's a little tiny way that you can push back. But there are other ways you can push back, too. And you are absolutely correct. I'd never heard that phrase before, although I don't hear a lot of things, so I don't feel too bad. And again, like you, <laughs> I'm, I, I probably can't even spell Harvard, let alone having gone there. So uh, exactly. Exactly. I think that's, that's what's so good about this book. It's for the everyday person. I mean, this is just common sense stuff. That's right. That's right. You know, my, my joke, and I want your listeners to understand this is a total joke. It, it's like he sent Jesus sent us because he wants all the credit, you know, because how, how could we do this on our own? And the, the answer is quite obviously we can't, uh, you know, and, and that's what folks really need to understand is that, you know, we're up against very rich and powerful, sophisticated, uber educated people who have screwy ideas but a small group of very dedicated people can, 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 can win. In my own work, at the, I run a, 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 a group that lobbies the UN on life and family matters. And for the last 25 years, we've blocked an international right to abortion. We've blocked a redefinition of the family. We've blocked uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. 
from becoming a new category of non-discrimination in international law. And there's just a few of us who do this work. So a small group of very dedicated people who are persistent, you know, and stay to the very end can have a fundamental change in things. And we're up against, you know, the U.S. government, the European Union, major U.N. agencies, massive foundations with billions of dollars. And yet year in, year out, we find enough friends among member states to block everything that those guys want to do. So it's, it's like... You, 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 you can fight back, you can win, but I also argue in the book and, and when I'm out talking about this book and others is that we shouldn't be so focused on winning. What we should be focused on is doing the right thing. You know, in, in, in the Hail Mary, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Those are the two moments we have to be concerned about. Right now, what's in front of us and the end of our lives. We don't have to fret about the past. We don't have to fret about the future. We have to concern ourselves with what is in front of us right now and when we meet our maker. Well, you know, I, I love the, the first chapter of your book because I think it really it, it starts everything off. I am Lazarus. Come from the dead. Come back to tell you all. And, you know, just like Lazarus was told, hey, if they're not listening to Moses and the prophet, they're not going to listen to they're not going to listen to you coming back either. So. It really is. We're living in the now. We need understand what Jesus Christ has taught us. And he spelled it out, right? You read the Gospels. He doesn't paint this rosy picture like everything's going to be a piece of cake, does he? No, no. And, and that line, I am Lazarus, come from the dead, come back to tell you all, I shall tell you all, is, is a line from, uh, from T.S. Eliot, from one of T.S. Eliot's poems. And it, right. it's a reflection of the work that I have done these past 20, 25 years. Because I kind of spend my time staring into the abyss in order to A, fight back, and B, tell people what's really going on. You know, and, and another thing, you know, I look, you, you, everybody knows who Roger Ayer is and, 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 the, and the bleak picture that he tends to paint about things. Um, I see and report on exactly the same things that Rod does, but I don't preach fear. I preach charging the sniper's nest. I don't preach retreat. I preach getting involved in the public square. Uh, and fighting back pretty much any way that you can. There are many ways that you can be distracted these days away from the, the uh, job that Christ has given us to do. You can live in fear. You can distract yourself by video games and sports and all, all the things that pe- television and all the people that they do. And you can distract yourself with nostalgia, yearning for times past, yearning for castles in the air. But he has given us a task that is right in front of us right now. And I also make the case that future generations are going to look back upon, as you know, in the book, future generations are going to look back upon us with envy that they couldn't be here with us in such desperate times when things were so hard. Well, and I think the other thing, you know, you talk about Chesterton in the book, but you could you could look at Fulton Sheen. It wasn't like everything's been a piece of cake. You know, everything's been going along great. All of a sudden, somebody flipped the switch. There were a lot of issues for a long period of time that had just kind of come to a head, right? Well, you know, um, well, that, that's absolutely true. Uh, but, I mean, in, in the long sweep of history, I mean, the fight that we're having now is the same fight that, you know, was in the Garden of Eden and in the early church and in the Middle Ages and in the 40s and 50s and 60s. You know, we are, one of the points I make in the book is that we, we are blessed to be present in one of the great debates of all time. The early church was privileged to participate in the debate, debate about the nature of Christ. Later, the church participated in the debate of what is the church itself? 
And now we have been blessed to participate in the great debate of what is the human person. Uh, this is this is a profound time to be alive, and people can't forget that because they will miss it at the end of their lives. They will have missed this remarkable time for the church. Well, and you talk about missing it. You know, it reminds you of the scene in Braveheart, right, where Mel Gibson, you know, comes and says, "Look, this is your time." They're starting to run away, and he goes, "No, this is your time to fight because you're going to be dying in your bed." regretting that you missed this opportunity. I think that's your point, right? I mean, in the end, we are here now for a particular purpose, and it's not to run, it's to defend the truth, which is under assault, which means Christ is under assault. Well, I mean, look look back at the generations that we admire the most. They're the generations that had to struggle through great things. Uh, I mean, look at the generation that fought Arianism. Look at the generation that fought the Crusades. Look at the generation that, that, were, that fought at the American founding or the Civil War or the Second World War. I mean, we are that generation. People don't think that we are because things are, seem to be a little bit easier, they're, 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 but they're not. These are really dark times that we have to fight against. We are that generation that future generations will look back and envy. Uh, people just have to understand that. Well, and I think, you know, to your, you, I think, one, you're absolutely right. But to your point, it's almost like we're soft, right? The minute things get hard, we start whining. And all you have to do is go back and look at the early Christians and think, what did they have to endure? A lot worse than what we have to endure right now, didn't they? Well, sure. Uh, like I said, there have always been struggles for, for the church. Um, you know, he, he did not make us for comfort and ease. Um, you know, he, he made us for, for a struggle. Um, and, he, and, and, and the struggles all around us are so profound. You know, one of, I, I, I don't want to speak too explicitly to your audience, but, you know, w- one of the things I, I look at is the explosion of improper content on the Internet and how easy it is to, uh, to access for children of the youngest ages with a few keystrokes on an iPhone. You know, um, this is bigger than it has ever been, and it's more violent than it has ever been. I mean, if somebody wanted to make the world a better place, they could simply send a monthly check to any organization that they know that is fighting this. Uh, that's how easy it is. I say in the book that there are halos hanging from the lowest branches of the trees. All you need to do is reach up and grab one, meaning you have to do very little to make the world a better place. You know, send send a check or write a letter or make a phone call or, like I said, go to the school board. Um, but, yeah, the, the darkness is all around us, and you can make it a whole lot better just by doing something. Well, and part of grabbing that halo, just like you were talking about, hey, how about leading, if you're, a, you know, a father, how about leading your family in the faith, right? Have a faithful, holy family. I mean, that's the world in the end, when it becomes so dark, are going to be looking at those lights, and that's the op- one of the one of the opportunities, not an easy one, but an opportunity that each one of us as dads has to do. Well, that, yeah, the, there's there's no question about that. You know, and and one of the things is, I mean, very clearly, we have to teach our children, you know, right from wrong, and the and the teachings of the faith, and take them to the sacraments, and 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 things like that. I mean, things do start in the home. And and another piece of advice that 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 we have lived up to, my wife and I is we moved into an area where there are a couple hundred mission-oriented Catholics. 
uh, Catholic families who either homeschool or send their kids to Orthodox schools in, in the area. And this is who we socialize with. It's not like we, we don't go out and evangelize and meet other people because we do, but the people that we socialize with, the, 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 the people that our children socialize with are, are on exactly the same wavelength as we are. And it, I, I, it, it is incredibly important that people find community. Um, and, and this is where I agree with Rod Dreher is finding community of like-minded people and sticking together. And then from there, reaching out into the wider world and trying to affect policy and culture. You know, the culture, the, using the word culture there puts me in mind of this, this Andrew Breitbart uh, claim that uh, politics is downstream from culture. And, you know, it, it is and it isn't because uh, uh, culture is also downstream from politics. And I say that because the world wasn't clamoring for the Supreme Court to strike down contraception. The world wasn't clamoring for the Supreme Court to open the door to obscenity. The world was not clamoring for, uh, uh, for, for abortion on demand. That was politics forcing the culture. So, um, so anyway, it, it, it's, you know, I, 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 it's just a glorious time to be alive. And I know that sounds weird to a lot of people because we're so beaten down, but they just have to look at the world in a different way. Well, and I think what you're saying is really, look, these are opportunities, right? These, the Lord is giving you these opportunities to one, live your faith and defend your faith. And, you know, it's, it's pretty black and white right now. There's not a lot of gray area. So it's not like you can say, geez, I, I don't know what to do. It's, hey, just live your life and defend the truth, whether it's writing a check, whether it's talking in public, whatever it is, it's because all you have to do is look at your kids and grandkids. And, and if you don't think they're worth fighting for, then you've pretty much given up. I'll tell you what, there are, there are demons swirling around the heads of all of our children. Um, I, I feel this profoundly and intensely. I mean, it's one of the reasons that we, we in our household gave up uh, cable television now many, many years ago. We, my daughter and I were watching uh, the food network and, uh, and there was some competition show, and all of a sudden, this cook was talking about her wife, uh, and it was like I couldn't, I couldn't grab the button fast enough. <laughs> and it was, you know, my daughter was at seven at that time. She looked at me. She goes, "Did she say wife?" And and uh, and and uh, and she said she must, she must have meant life, sweet little girl. Um, yes. So anyway, so it's 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 like it's all around us. I remember when uh, when Obergefell was handed down in 2015. On the front page of the of USA Today, which is delivered to the door of like every it's it's stacked in every hotel in America, yep. was uh, was an image of of those two women kissing. Um, so yeah, you know they're trying to force it down our throats. You know it's it's everywhere, but gosh, there's never been a finer time to be a faithful Catholic. You know you know yeah. people get nostalgic. They go, golly, I wish I lived in the fifties. I, I wish I lived when there were torchlight processions through through the streets. But, you know, one of the points that I make in the book is all that stuff is coming back. You know, the Orthodox orders are busting at the seams. There are new yep. pu Catholic publishing houses uh, that are being created. Uh, Catholic radio is exploding. Catholic television is, is, is all around us. It, it, is, it is in that way. There are so many good signs in the church. You know, the story that I tell in the book about, you know, when John Kerry ran for president to only 35 bishops complained about his dissent from Catholic teaching. When Obama went a few years later to Notre Dame to get an award, 80 bishops complained. When abortion came into, the, into Obamacare, 200 bishops 
complain. People complain about the bishops, but the, but we have never, the church, she has never changed her teaching on life. She has never changed her teaching on marriage. She's never te- changed her teaching on contraception. The church has been a rock on fundamental issues that are important uh, to mankind. So that there's even looking at the church, there's lots of good news. Yeah. And I think you could you could point out, you know, the stuff that really irritates you. You I just read the other day, you know, Chelsea Clinton's going to come speak at the Vatican. Jeffrey Sachs is a regular contributor at the Vatican. But your point to your point, right, the teachings are the teachings. And it's not like the church has never made mistakes. You just think of St. Catherine of Siena, right? Italy's all, you know, hell in a handbasket. The Pope's run off to France. And what did she do? She could have quit. And now, you know, she's a great saint, and which is what we're all called to be, isn't it? You know, it's it's funny because I look at these invitations to people at the Vatican and it's, it's painful. It's well and truly painful. You know, uh, you know, Jeffrey Sachs being a regular uh, invitee to these conferences and things. So it, it is painful. Um, and uh, it, it does seem a little foreign to me these days. Um, but yeah, you know, that, well, that you bring that up, that we're all called to be saints. You know, I was giving a talk many years ago now in Ireland and this little old lady comes up and she says, Austin, everything you say is well and good, but I'm going to wait and hear what the bishop has to say. I said, no, 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 you don't have to wait to hear what the bishop has to say. You know, you, you, you have been given certain powers in, in baptism and confirmation and the world is yours. He doesn't want you to come and ask permission to do the things that you're called upon to do based on your uh, baptism and, and confirmation and what, ha- what has been given to you as a layman. You know, the world, the, the church was created that there's one pope, there's a bunch of bishops, there's some more priests, and there's hundreds of millions of us. That tells you he set it up in a particular way, and that is that the world is ours. And even if the bishop doesn't do what you want, doesn't excuse you from doing what you're supposed to do. That's what I tell people all the time. Yeah, well, you're you're exactly right. And I think, you know, you you reminded everybody that, look, we've been given the Holy Spirit at our baptism. We have the seeds of faith, hope and love. Oh, by the way, we have the sacraments. Oh, and we have a guardian angel. The Lord has equipped us with everything we need to go out there and be that church militant. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Don't forget the guardian angel. Uh, I know this is controversial in some circles, but one of the best uh, penances I ever got was to was to name my guardian angel, you know, to personalize your guardian angel, not like he's some kind of pet, but to make him your constant friend and companion. Let's not forget the guardian angels. He's, he's right. sitting here and with me right now yours. because they're helping us keep it, you know, keeping us out of the frying pan or out of the fire. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, the thing about the Catholic Church is that it's fully furnished. You know, what I, I was raised in Methodist, and, and I think of the Protestant denominations, and, you know, they've got Scripture, and, and I'm not sure what else they have. They have Scripture and Jesus, you know, which is, you know, I, I'm not downplaying any of that, but you go into an understanding of the Catholic Church, it is fully furnished with the teachings of the Pope, with the saints, with images, with guardian angels. It, it's, it's like, uh, in the words of Jody Bottom, it's thick. The Catholic Church is thick. And, and that's really what people need, is, is a thickness of faith. Oh, and by the way, before, before we end this conversation, I want folks to understand that we do not live in a secular age. We live in a very religious age, and all that we see around us is based in religion. For instance, and this is one of, chapter two of the book is about the establishment of, of, of a new state church. 
uh, beginning in 1962 with the school prayer decisions. You know, and all of these people that are, quote, leaving the church and becoming nuns, N-O-N-E-S, they're not. They're, go- they're leaving for other faiths. They're leaving for pantheism, which is, you know, modern day uh, uh, environmentalism. They're, 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 they're leaving for what uh, John O'Sullivan referred to in endorsing my book, uh, sexual polyversity. They're leaving for scientism. Uh, they're not leaving for nothing. They're leaving for something. Um, and so when people say we live in the secular age, it's just not the case. It's just not the case. And we can bring all those people back with a thickness of faith. And that is the rosary. That is uh, processions in the streets. So, so th- they can return with a thickness of the faith. And, and that's what the church has on offer. Well, and, and again, like if you read the scriptures, the Lord is very clear. So not only does he arm you with everything, he actually tells you ahead of time what's going to happen and, you know, what to look out for. So it's, it's unless, you know, we're just sleepwalking, which unfortunately, you know, I was for many years, then it really isn't, shouldn't be a surprise. We know what's going on. And that's the beautiful, beautiful part of it. If you really love and live your faith, you're ready to go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, folks need to understand that there are remarkable signs all around us. How can people? How can people follow what you're doing? How can people get your book? Well, people can follow my day-to-day work. Uh, I, I, I run the Center for Family and Human Rights, otherwise known as CFAM, uh, and they can go to the CFAM website and subscribe to our weekly report. You know, the CFAM team has been quite remarkable in blocking all of this, you know, nastiness at the UN these many, many years. Uh, they're doing a negotiation right now. Anyway, it's at c-fam.org, c-fam.org. And uh, to buy the book, they can go to Amazon. I know people would have to hold their noses to go to Amazon, but it's still <laughs> the biggest bookstore in the world. Uh, they can also go directly to the Sophia Institute Press website and buy it there. But uh, we're looking to sell a lot of copies. I'm very passionate. This, I, I'm more passionate about this book than any of the three that I uh, that I previously published. Well, and again, it's a great book. Really enjoyed reading it, and it, and it is it's a hopeful book. I think you paint a picture in the beginning of hey, here's the reality, but the re- the other reality is hey, this is a great opportunity. It's a great time to be a faithful Catholic, and so you really kind of walk people through the morass to to the light. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There you go. There you go. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.